Welcome back to the San Francisco Giants edition of For the Fans, By the Fans, a podcast where we bring you your weekly dose of all things San Francisco Giants from the fans' perspective. I'm a lifelong Giants fan and your host, Benjamin Shapiro. After going four up and two down against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and the Washington Nationals, the Giants sit at two games below 500 after last week. And we welcome back Chris Smith. Chris is an avid Giants fan and former professional football player who now works in commercial real estate in Newport, California. But before we talk to Chris about Mac Williamson taking Justin Turner's swing and becoming Babe Ruth, I want to tell you about our friends at Fanatics. Fanatics is the global leader in licensed sports merchandise. They have the world's largest collection of official sports apparel from the leagues, teams, and players that you love. And we're lucky enough to be Fanatics affiliates. So if you're going to go buy your Giants gear, click on the link in our show notes, or you can go to ftfbtf.com fanatics, and they'll kick us a couple of bucks to help with the production of this show. That said, Chris, welcome back to the FTF BTF San Francisco Giants podcast. How you doing? Definitely glad to be back, and especially with the Giants playing better, uh, even better. I know, I know. The last podcast that we just launched with Adam was pretty depressing. They were four games under 500, and we were basically just sinking the ship. And uh, of course, then they go out and win four of the next six, and uh, all of a sudden, birds are chirping, the sun's out, life's a little bit better. Bochy gets on Twitter, I mean. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I think they're undefeated since Bochy, no, they lost yesterday, but they're 2-1 and one since Bochy joined the Twitter sphere. I love it, now I can add them all the time. Love it. Uh, so it's also the NFL draft this week. I uh, Before we get started talking about the Giants, and I know you went to some of the games in Anaheim, tell us the story. Did you get drafted? I failed to hear my name called, although it's, it's kind of a blessing in disguise where being a rookie free agent like I was, you kind of have the options to go where you want to go as opposed to being a sixth or seventh rounder and getting stuck somewhere that might not be a good situation where they have a bunch of veterans already on the team or they draft a few guys at your position earlier in the draft, which makes it pretty tough to make the team. So I was uh projected sixth, seventh round, but uh was a free agent to the Jets. So I guess there's a little bit of disappointment not hearing your name, but at the same time, the Jets had a bunch of older guys that they got rid of and were looking for some new blood. And there was a really good opportunity for me to make the team there. So that's why I kind of chose them instead of your favorite team, uh, the Raiders. So you didn't get drafted and you picked the Jets out of all places? <laughs> well, I th- this isn't any recent years by any means. I don't want to date myself too much. This is uh, 2002. They had uh, made the playoffs the year before with uh, Herm Edwards in his first year, and I had him uh, year two, and we won the AFC East that year, which is pretty rare to hear someone other than the Patriots making the playoffs and winning that division, but we did break up the three out of four that Brady had won over that span, so I can at least say I was a part of that. Could have been worse. You could have been Baker Mayfield and had a sentence going to the Cleveland Browns. The Browns couldn't have screwed that up even more, if you ask me. I, even if they like him, they, they should have just tr- traded out of that first pick and just taken him with the fourth pick, and they could have probably got a first-rounder in next year's draft. They should have just taken Barkley and drafted him in the fourth. If they should have they did what they are going to do, they should have taken Chubb, but I guess you need cornerbacks, but I don't know. It's the browniest thing that ever browned. Of course. Yeah. Well, let's get on to Giants baseball. I know that you went to a couple of the games in Anaheim. Tell us about the experience going to the ballpark by Disney. 
So yeah, you dialed in the tickets before the season started, uh, having your team come in your area. And I know we don't count the Dodgers as in my area because it takes two plus hours to get there from my house. And that's just not going to be an enjoyable experience. Plus with how well the Dodgers are playing, it'd be even tougher to go to the game and watch the Giants lose to the Dodgers. So having the Angels Stadium about 20 minutes from my house worked out pretty well. And three games and three nights and basically three different experiences on Friday I went with my wife and Saturday, I took my son, uh, Roman, for his first game. He's a little over three years old. And then Sunday, I went with a buddy of mine who was an Angels fan and able to talk baseball and watch it with a fan. So kind of three different experiences. So tell me about the park. What's the experience like? And, you know, you ready to abandon AT&T and just live at Anaheim Stadium? Oh, never. It'd be nothing compares to AT&T. I think I've been to maybe 10 to 11 different parks. So I think I can say I have a pretty good base of comparison, but... I remember going to the Angels Stadium when I was a kid. My grandparents are down here. So we went back when they shared it with the Rams. So it was the combo football baseball stadium. I was used to going those at Candlestick. We visit my grandparents down here and go to the games. And I never remember ever having really good seats there. The same as when I was at Candlestick. I never remember having good seats growing up. So now that they've kind of redone it uh, with Splash Mountain on center field, they made the park more fan-friendly. They kind of have what they call it the Millennials deck, where it's kind of like a good place if you're single to have a bunch of drinks and hit on people. So they got that going for them. The Millennials pretty, deck. Pretty nice if that's your status. So um, so the actual team, you're looking at Trout, Otani, Pujols. Who else is still there on that Anaheim team? That's the guys they've had the last couple of years, but they had a bunch of big free agent signings and signed a bunch of bats. Being a Giants fan, that's kind of what you were hoping that your team would do is sign some big hitters and who actually will produce, I should say. They got Zach Cozart now and Ian Kinsler. And they got Angleton Simmons a few years ago in a trade. I mean, he's one of the best shortstops in the game. So they got a pretty exciting team. And I go to maybe half a dozen games a year. Tell me about the games that you went to. So Friday night, I took my wife. Uh, We went to a bunch of games together all the time when we lived in San Francisco, back when we were both without kids and being able to go out and have a bunch of drinks at the game and have a great time. Date night at Splash Mountain. (laughs) We decided to do the same thing for this game. And uh, we got a babysitter, which is a rarity. Anyone that has kids knows how precious and treasured those nights are. Yeah. We went to the game and had several drinks and enjoyed the Giants score six runs in one inning. I think that's a record for them this season for the most in an inning, which was just awesome to see. That was Mac Williamson's first game of the season, and he had a bomb, didn't he? He crushed a two-run homer, so it's pretty awesome to see that happen. And I've been pro him for a few years now. Just want to see those young guys get to play and see what they can do over a full season as opposed to just come up for 100 at-bats and move on, which they've done with every different young left fielder they've had on the roster for the last, since Barry Bonds, basically. So it's Friday night, you're having a couple drinks, you bring your wife with you, you go to the ballpark, the Giants are crushing bombs, love is in the air, Friday night works out real well. Tell me about your experience on Saturday with your son. Yeah, so I took my three-year-old Roman to the game. We were sitting right down the left field line second row. So I kind of knew there'd be a possibility that we were going to have some balls hit our way. Is he paying attention at three years old or what's this work? Are you just chasing him around the park? So he was able to sit down the whole time. Game was at six o'clock. He usually goes to sleep at 730. 
they had a short nap earlier that day, so I was expecting the worst <laughs> going into the game. Playing with fire. But I know I know he loves hot dogs and popcorn and pretzels. So I knew I had that going for me and I'd scouted out all the areas the night before and saw that there had a, a yogurt land in the park. So I knew that was gonna be my ace in the hole late in the game to kind of keep him going. Mm-hmm. So I knew I could get him in a good mood, but I don't think he watched really any of the game. Being the second row down the left field line, it's a pretty low angle for him. So he was just kind of looking around at everything. But it was kind of good to bring him and got him an angel dog when we got there. So that lasted about one to two innings. (laughs) So that lasted about six or seven minutes. (laughs) I knew that they would shoot the water off on Splash Mountain if the Angels were to hit a home run, and I knew he would absolutely love that. So secretly, you're a Giants fan, hoping that (laughs) they don't do that. But as a parent, you're hoping, okay, at least let's get him some home runs here to keep him entertained and in the mood. So If we're going to go down, let's go down hard. Yeah, sure enough, Trout hits a home run, which he hit one the night before. And they shoot the cannons off and they shoot all the pyrotechnics off, all the fires getting shot up into the air a few times and a couple fireworks go off. So he was pumped on that. So it was good to see that. It's a pretty cool thing that they do there because they don't have any seating in center field at all, which I still think it's kind of cool to be able to sit in the stands and potentially catch a home run ball. But that park basically doesn't really allow that unless you're in right field. Right. So the hot dog on the home run lasted two innings and, he was definitely getting tempted by the constant vendors rolling by us with the popcorn and the cotton candy and the kettle corn. So I was hoping those guys would stop coming my way, but I finally gave in and got him a bag of kettle corn and he started mowing that down for a whole nother inning and had to put the brakes on that. Fortunately, otherwise it would have been a very short night and miserable car ride home. So <laughs> so who was more expensive, your wife with the drinks or your son with the kettle corn and the hot dogs? Oh, the wife with the 24-ounce beers we were ordering. We probably had four of those each. So that a girl, page. Not a cheap night by any means. Yep. Gamer babes at her best. Yeah, but at least we got to take on the plastic cups that came in. So there you go. Anyway, Saturday was great. The kettle corn lasted long enough for us to go and get a yogurt. And we get that in the little caps and come back down. And right when we sit back down, I cleaned the cap off for him to take it home and put it next to his Giants one. And like I said earlier, I knew a potentially foul balls could come our way. And sure enough, Justin Upton hits one down the line. It kicks off the wall. At, at that point, I knew that I was going to get the ball. I mean, there's dozens of people all around me, but I knew it was going to happen because it kicks off the wall to Mac Williamson. I think they brought him up. And it turns out he saw the six, seven guy in the Giants hat and decided that's who I'm throwing the ball to. Well, it's perfect. We're a Giants shirt. I had a Giants hat on and being, yeah, six, seven with extremely long arms. I definitely have an advantage over probably every single other fan who was at that game. But And hands like baseball gloves, so you weren't going to drop the thing. Uh, I, I went commando and snagged <laughs> it barehanded. <laughs> that boy. The guy sitting two seats over from me who had a glove tried to grab it. I just snagged it right over him like he wasn't even there which is pretty great and roman was psyched what does he think he's going to get a ball every time he goes to the game so he's sitting down and everyone around us starts booing (laughs) 
there were like some little girls sitting in front of us. I think people probably thought I should have handed it to them. And I turn around and hand it to Rome. And then everyone gives, you know, ah. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty pleased. And he was pretty pumped on that and took a couple pictures. And he was having a good time with that. And he throws the ball back to me. And he's like throwing it a bunch of times, which is pretty funny. And then he's like, oh, I want another one. And I said, don't get used to this. Maybe it'll happen a few other times in your life. Depends how many games you go to. But basically his first game and he gets a ball. So the bar has been raised extremely high. You know, I've I've gone to hundreds of Giants games in my entire life, and I've never caught a foul ball. Have you ever caught one before? That's the third one I've got. Have you ever actually caught one? Like that was in the field of play and somebody tossed it to you. You ever catch one that was actually hit? Well, the first time I got a ball, I had just dislocated my kneecap and my NFL career had just come to an end. So huge bummer, but I'm in the front row of the club level at AT&T Park and Jose Cruz Jr. pops one back off of Kurt Schilling and it hits the front of the club level and just kind of sits on there and then kind of rolls down and I grabbed that one. So that was my first ball with a previous girlfriend, maybe three or four girlfriends ago. Who shall not be named. Yeah. <laughs> so it leads me to my second time getting a foul ball. I'm in a spring training in Scottsdale and the Giants are just crushing the Rockies. It's like 18 to one or something. And we're sitting on the, the right field line and it's all metal bleachers out there. And ball gets hit lefty. Uh, I think it was Chad Santos. I think he came up for maybe a little bit that season. One of the lesser known first basemen that they've had. Anyway, he gets way out in front of a curveball and lines it right off. I'd say maybe 20 feet to the left of us. And it's absolute screamer. And fortunately, another girlfriend I was with at the time, <laughs> the ball hits the bleachers, takes a hard line, hits her in her left thigh, and then goes up and hits her in her right arm and then bounces and I grab it. <laughs> and it was her birthday <laughs> and she gets two black and blue marks, one on her leg and one on her arm. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I was able to grab the ball and no one else got it, but I think they probably would have felt sorry for her and gave it to her. But Did you keep it or did she? <laughs> you know, it was funny as I gave it to her and then when we broke up, she gave me the ball back. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess that's nice. And it sounds like it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> I mean, God, you get hit twice by a ball on your birthday. Like you knew the relationship was doomed. <laughs> True. My dad was sitting, I think it was first base side and AJ Pruszynski fouled one off and it was just like a frozen rope and it hit him in the chest. He had a black and blue mark that went from his shoulder to his navel. It turned yellow, purple, green, blue. It was just very clear that A.J. Pruszynski was not going to be popular in the Shapiro household and probably not for very many Giants fans. I don't think he is in any Giants fan, so at least he doesn't have to feel the sting of that ball. <laughs> the closest I ever got, I went up to go to the bathroom or get some food once and a foul ball hit off my chair as I was walking down the stairs. And the guy, one row in front of us, got it. So I've always wanted to pull the hat off and snag a ball that way because I think that'd be so cool to do it. Yep. So tell me about the third game. You got Roman through the second one, and then you actually got to go watch some baseball. That was a pretty interesting game. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was a day game. So it's pretty much a scorcher out there. And second bout of the game, we get to see uh, Brandon Belt go on his 21 pitch marathon. And when you're at the park, uh, I don't know if you feel this way, whenever you go to a game, as opposed to when you're watching at home is really aren't aware of stats and kind of things that are going on. You're kind of, you know, you're watching the game and paying attention, but you're really not getting informed by all the little things. 
You're not sitting with Twitter in front of you. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually like to be on my phone during a game because I don't want to be the idiot that gets hit by the ball while holding his phone. So, Because Panic had a long AB, and then Belt just went on the marathon. And after the inning was over, we checked Twitter and see that it was a major league record because I knew it was a long at bat. And God, it was probably 90 degrees, and the, the seats were nice and heated from the sun. And I see you're just getting cooked on, on both ends and just kind of waiting for that bat to end. It's too bad that he popped out. I think the hitters usually have a pretty good chance of getting hits. Usually the longer it goes, but didn't happen for him there. And I don't think the Giants even scored that inning. They got the bases loaded and Longoria popped up and then Sandoval. I don't know, I think he spiked himself swinging too hard or something, but... Uh, <laughs> That's the most Brandon Belt thing I've ever heard is an 18-pitch at bat that results in an out. And the truth is he's been hot lately, and I think he leads the Giants in home runs, or he's close to it. I know Longoria's up there as well. But the 18-pitch, he's got a great eye. He's really a valuable player. And then, of course, he pops out, and it's all for nothing. <laughs> well, he homered on Saturday and Sunday, so... He's been hot lately between him and Williamson, and Longoria was hot for the power's yeah. back. Yeah, Longoria, he stepped it up big time. Let's just wrap up the Angels series. You saw Trout, you saw Pujols, you saw Tani. Any takeaways from watching the Angels? Well, they saw Trout home on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I mean, that guy's hands down the best player in baseball. I mean, he's so good. The home run he hit on Sunday was like a laser. If they didn't have the fans in right field, it would have went into the scoreboard probably. <laughs> I feel bad for the person that caught that one. His girlfriend's definitely breaking up with him. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then what we saw, we got to see Pujols homer on Saturday. So he had 619. It's kind of interesting watching him play now as opposed to when I was living in San Francisco and watching Bonds kind of at the end of his career. They're they're very similar where they were the top player in the game for several years, constant MVPs or top five MVP voting. And now you're basically just watching them for the milestones here. He's almost at 3,000 hits, thinking about maybe going to a game next week. If he could maybe get that, which would be kind of cool to see. But I've been telling all the Angel fans down here, I'm like, it's just like watching Barry Bonds. But you have Mike Trout on your team. <laughs> the future's bright as opposed to once Bonds gets out of here, we can get rid of all the old veterans that he wants surrounded with him and kind of move this team in a young direction. So so tell me about Otani. Did you see him pitch or was he just DHing? He was supposed to pitch on Sunday. The Angels had gotten rained out the previous Sunday, so his start got pushed back. I mean, they're doing a six-man rotation and he pretty much has been pitching every Sunday, usually at home. So they bumped him back. So it's kind of a bummer not to be able to see that. But he did DH on Friday, got two hits. I think Saturday, he went one for four, but he struck out three times. He looked terrible striking out those times. And then uh, I don't think he played Sunday. So he's got a funky swing. Pretty much looks like Ichiro and some of those other players that have come over. Yeah, he looks like a slap hitter, but he's a home run hitter. He's a power hitter. I think he had three home runs in three games, but I don't think he's done anything since then. But it's not a pretty sight. He's no Mac Williamson, that's for sure. No, I mean, I've been asking that for so long. I'm so glad to see him just crush the ball. And God, he went head first into the bullpen on, a, was that Tuesday night? Yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday. So do you think that he's hot now? Do you think there's something to the change in his swing? Or is this just a little uptick and he goes back to being Mac Williamson? They fixed the swing. They, they have it more a slight uppercut in this. And I mean, he's hit home runs and he tore the cover off the ball in spring training, did everything he possibly could to make the team and didn't make it. And then obviously he was lighting up the Pacific League and you now finally got the chance. And he's been hot ever since. I think he didn't play because of that possible concussion or whatever it was. 
two days ago, but hopefully you can get back in the lineup against the Dodgers here because definitely would love to win three out of four against them. So it's going to be interesting to see what the lineup looks like at the end of the year. It looks like he might be the person that takes over for Pence. Uh, We'll see what Pence looks like when he comes back off the DL. We're sitting at two games under 500. We're going to end up with six starting pitchers, a million outfielders. Uh, What do you think is the projection for the rest of the year? And who do you think is going to be on the team and contributing? I think they're kind of uh, looking like my early preseason prediction at 80 wins. I think this team can sustain that. I mean, God, Johnny Cueto, I saw him pitch on Sunday, was hoping he could have possibly thrown a no-hitter. I think he had no hits through five and into the six gave one up. So he's been solid. But if the team's not going to win, I mean, I think they could probably get some pretty good pieces for him if they were able to move him. I was actually thinking that they would try to move someone like Block or maybe even Stratton because they're younger pitchers and they just try to reload for the farm system. I would love to see them try to move Samarja, but he's got like a seven-run ERA right now. He looked actually pretty good on Friday when I saw him in his first start back. He got annihilated yesterday. He got lit up against what? what's funny is, yeah, he goes against uh, Mike Trout and strikes him out twice and <laughs> Trout even got a hit off him, but... Yeah, he shuts down some of the better players in the game, and then Washington kind of takes it to him pretty good. But he's, what, the number three starter, but he's probably more like a four or a five. But, God, Stratton looks awesome. Block looks great. I mean, Bumgarner will be back. Cueto's looking just unworldly. They're going to end up with six starting pictures when Bumgarner comes back. And then the question is, who do you take out of the lineup? Are you just throw a block in the bullpen? I don't think they can do that. I think things in baseball always seem to work themselves out in terms of someone else will probably get hurt when that time rolls around. And I think what's great now about baseball is they have that 10-day DL, which is basically kind of like, you're sucking, let's make up some kind of injury and give you a metal break to not skewer you in front of the fans. You have a boo-boo, go sit down for 10 days? Yeah, so I'm sure they'll 10-day DL somebody when Bumgarner comes back. But yeah, I mean, if you remember back 2010 when they win the World Series, the whole outfield was all different from the starting opening day till the end. So baseball, you just never know. There might be a guy who's on another team right now or who gets DFA'd by someone else who the Giants pick up and kind of maybe carries them to a possible playoff run. I wouldn't be surprised if the end of the season outfield is McCutcheon, Duggar, Williamson. And I think the infield will probably stay the same barring injury, but who knows who's going to be in the starting rotation and The bullpen, obviously, is going to adjust a little when Will Smith comes back. And in theory, you should be getting uh, Marconin, Malconin? Melanson. Melanson. God, I can never get his name right. When Melanson comes back. You never get it right because you haven't heard his name called. He hasn't played. It was the first episode of this podcast. I kept calling him Marconin. And my dad was like, it's Melanson. I'm like, no, it's Marconin. (laughs) And it's like, no, it's Melanson. But he pitched like three games that I saw last year. And I watched a fair amount of baseball. That's a tough one for me. Well, Tony Watson has been just awesome. He's been so great. Tony Watson's got some Javier Lopez in him. Oh, he's better than, well, God, when, when Javier was going really good, he was... Untouchable. He was just more of a lefty specialist. Watson's getting righties out too. Yeah, and Strickland hasn't been terrible. I know he's blown a couple of saves, but, you know, he's holding down the end of the bullpen. Dyson's been a huge disappointment. Uh, he's picked it up of late. Early in the season, he was pretty terrible, and Garen is not doing great, and... The rest of the guys aren't that good. But if Will Smith can come back and return to the form that he was at, they could be set up pretty good late innings. I think the, the reason for optimism is, in theory, you could be getting two of the best arms in your bullpen back. 
you're going to get your best starting pitcher back and you might have just called up your best outfielder because God knows Mac Williamson has had more of a contribution so far this year than Andrew McCutcheon's. But if he starts hitting, look out, we might actually hit the 500 mark, maybe in a couple games over. Yeah, I mean, God, with McCutcheon, uh, I mean, you think he's in a contract year, so he's got to be extra motivated here. I think he's just settling in and he's going to be fine at the end of the year. He's going to hit 270 or something, but he's so low right now. That means he's going to have to hit 300 for a good portion of the year to make it up. And I'm looking forward to those days. Hopefully catch one of those games up here. Yeah, I think if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him as opposed to some of those other guys they have outfielders currently on the roster. All right. So give us a last good story on our way out before we let you go. So getting back to kind of you know, being a parent, bringing your child to a game and kind of getting that connection established. And I can remember uh, my dad took me to a card show in Fresno when I was a kid and uh, we got to meet uh, Juan Marichal. My dad being a big Dodger fan like he is, wasn't like overly thrilled to talk to him. And this is 1988 here. So this is even before he was in the Hall of Fame. And we go to the card show and we had to pay, I think, five bucks each to get in or something. And no one was around him. No one was trying to get his autograph, which kind of uh, didn't really know why no one was talking to him. But uh, my dad goes up and starts talking to him about some of the, the games he used to watch when he was a kid and introduced me to him. And I was wearing all my giant stuff from my first little league team. And so it's kind of cool and talking to him for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And then at the end of it, my dad asked, uh, you know, can my son get an autograph? And he said, that'll be uh, $20. And uh, my dad, being a, a man of principle, probably a Dodger fan contributing to that, just said, you know, we'll pass. Thanks for the stories and good luck to you. And we'll be on our way. So Juan Marichal, $20, a autograph. Roman gets a baseball. Paige gets a couple drinks. The Giants take two or three from the Angels. And that's a wrap for today's show. Our plan is to do this every week, so if you want more Giants baseball in your podcast feed, click that subscribe button. Also, we're just getting started, so we'd love for you to give us a rating in the Apple iTunes store or send us any questions at forthefansbythefans.com. You could visit our website. Uh, you could also find us on Twitter, FTFBTF. We're on Instagram, and we just launched a Facebook page as well. Just search FTFBTF, and you'll find us in your social networks. Thanks to our friends at Fanatics. If you're going to go buy your Giants gear, go to ftfbtf.com slash Giants, or you can just click the link in the show notes to this episode, and Fanatics will kick us a couple of bucks to help produce this show. That's it for this time. Until next time, swing and a miss, and that's it. 